Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this installment, our team analyzes the growth of commoditization and what you can do to ensure your brand doesn't get lost in the shuffle. So sit back and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hey guys, Chris here. I uh, just wanted to give you guys a heads up that we had some minor technical difficulties recording this episode. Uh, it turns out that when you tweak the levels just a bit, I don't sound exactly like Morgan Freeman. But no worries. Uh, our audio editing team worked their magic and uh, the issues turned out to be pretty minimal. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome into Solving for B with Brand Extract. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and today we're going to be talking about commoditization and how brands should deal with it. And to help me break down this topic, I'm joined by brand strategist, Leslie Rainwater, chairman of Brand Extract, Jonathan Fisher, and president and CEO of Brand Extract, Bo Bodie. All right, guys, let's dive in. Uh, It it seems like today that commoditization is happening at a pretty rapid pace. Um, So why do we think that is? What's behind the rapid pace of commoditization these days? Well, we were prepping about this and we were all talking about it. One of the things that, um, that we've seen is that technology on top of transfer of information, on top of just our capacity or human capacity to take advantage of these opportunities, um, seems to all be catching up to itself, which I think is creating a pretty interesting position for a lot of companies in that if I can get really good stuff a lot faster and find it easier, it makes it really hard for different companies, brands, products to stand out on their own. Yeah. And it feels like, um, you know, we talked a little bit about it. It's like technology is kind of is, is, is the, the catalyst for why um, commoditization has kind of jumped in a rapid pace. Um, Jonathan, we had talked a little bit about, uh, I think, since the, the advent of the Internet. Um, how has that made commoditization or, or facilitated more commoditization? Well, you know, on a global scale, you can now get product from anywhere around the world. Right, which is maybe before you only had two or three competitors in your backyard, and now you've got fifty. Two, you've got transparency. You know, it's much easier to price shop, uh, uh, compare reviews, performance, things like that, to find out any issues, recalls, and whatnot that's out there than ever before, and that continues to grow and scale and compound as that data's out there. And so, and now I think on top of that, you've got things like aggregators, you know, people that are scraping data and putting it together and offering you that commoditization, you know, out of the gate, you know, be it, you know, airlines, hotels, hotel, you know, hotel rooms, whatever it might be. So I think all those factors are really driving and accelerating. Excellent. So how do we, you know, as, as brands, how do we keep from, from falling victim to commoditization? How do we keep ourselves, um, you know, d- different or um, ahead of the game, ahead of, ahead of those that would love to see us be all commodities? Um, I think one of the things that we need to look at um, is go a little bit above our product and look more into what it is we offer and what, what we're giving our customers as an experience So that we're not, it's very easy to go down into product marketing and really focus on our product or service that we bring. But to take that picture up a level 
and start encapsulating what the experience is around it. Um, you know, a good example is like LaCroix sells water, right? You know, that's a product. Everybody in the world sells it, but they sell experience. They sell life cycle. They sell essence. You know, yeah. that's so, you know, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy that life experience, even though it drinks the same as the one that's much cheaper next to it. But that's what I'm really going after is how it um, connects to me emotionally. Right. Yeah. It's all it's almost it's it's semi tasteless fizzy water in a can, but what makes, you know, this household have LaCroix, this household have Perrier, and this household have, you know, store-bought generic brand, you know, how, how do you tap into what what your audience wants is not just the experience they have with the product, but the experience they want to share with others, um, I think is a big part that Leslie's kind of tapping into here, is that it's really important to understand that consumer in a way and I think it's getting better and easier with personalization customization the way we can share information um, to understand the consumer in a way on a b2b or a b2c level um, so that brands can adjust their messaging when it's true to them I mean, if LaCroix didn't really care about anything they talked about then it would end up falling it would it ring false and that's something that people are going to have to be more and more worried about as things start moving faster and marketers try and keep up with this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not about the features and functions anymore. We, you know, we talk a lot about those as F words. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's dragging you down into that tactical real estate of the conversation. So, you know, you start to have to look at what does the customer journey look like? What does that customer experience look like? You know, what are their promises and pledges that the brand stands for? You know, like affinity marketing, uh, what causes are they associating themselves with these days? So you start to find ways to differentiate through those experiences. Right. Well, and I think it's, it's been interesting to watch, you know, companies like Tom's and Warby Parker and, you know, their, the social good that they've tried to build the company around. But at some point, the product has to work for the customer, too. I mean, you don't, you're just going to buy a pair of shoes that aren't comfortable so that somebody somewhere else in the world has a comfortable pair of shoes. Um, and so aligning from an affinity standpoint, aligning those things. Um, it was really interesting when over a million years ago when I started my career as a designer, um, when we would do package design and, and we'd stand across the room and we'd hold up the bottles of beer that we'd comped up by our chest. And I was, you know, a young designer figuring it out. And I was like, why do you, why are we doing that? You know, why are you looking at it like that? It's like, man, haven't you noticed at bars people wear these things like badges? You know, you're an, an off-brand, you're a, a light drinker, you're a, you know... Craft. You craft yeah. beer person, you're a whatever, but people carry their bottles up. They, they don't really stick their finger in it and carry it down. Oh, they carry it up by their chest like it's a logo on their chest. And um, that same thing rings true here. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how do you associate with the brand and how does your customer associate your brand with them. Um, and I think that's that was something that as Jonathan and I formed the company and as Les has come on as we've grown, um, looking at brands and, and watch these products, commodities. I mean, beer is a commodity. It all pretty much tastes the same, except for the hoppies or the this or the that, right? Um, but the main thing there is that I associate with it. I associate with a certain type, and I want you to associate me with that. 
Yeah, I think that's an important point. It's like I remember a lesson that I had in uh, in college from a professor, and they, you know, they, we broke down like the Harley Davidson brand, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, there are other people who sell bikes, but Harley Davidson sells a lifestyle. Right. You people look, oh, I drive a Harley, I, you know, I ride a Harley. Um, people put there is weight in that. There is. Um, I guess there's there's a there's a perception that you want to be so really, especially on the B two C side, and you guys may be able to, to talk about how it applies to B two B. On the B two C side, it, it, one of the ways to avoid being a commodity is to sell more than just that. You sell a prestige, you sell, sell a mindset, mm-hmm. right? Or you sell efficiency, or you sell I'm the smartest engineer, and so I work with the smartest engineering companies. Back to the B two B side. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. So. Um, we were talking, we, you know, we're talking about, you know, how to how to um, how to not become a commodity, or how to how to kind of rise above commoditization. Um, I heard kind of two different things. There's an internal factor, and then there's an external factor. Um, one of those, I guess, I guess it would be uh, uh, an internal factor for for brands is, um, you know, a social doing social good. Um, are we? Is that something that we're going to continue to see more of? Because it seems like a lot of brands are aligning. Uh, are these visible brands are aligning with certain causes these days? Is that something we foresee in the future? Is that going to continue to 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 differentiate you amongst other competitors? I think so. I mean, I think you know, from a recruiting standpoint, employees kind of want to go work for companies that they share similar philosophies around, be it the environment, um, geopolitical, whatever it might be. Um, you know, healthcare cause issues, generational issues that are that are that are rising. And as baby boomers get older, as we all have parents we're having to take care of and whatnot. So you, you look for, I think, organizations that are a good fit for you. And part of that is their, is their causes and how they give back and do community good in that regard. Yeah, what they care about. So from a recruiting standpoint, I think that's one factor. Um, you know, from an investor standpoint, we're seeing now, you know, from a capital standpoint, that they're looking for sustainability. So, you know, call it your cause or call it your philanthropic venture. I mean, you still need to figure out your sustainability strategies and all that. And then generally you align with those sustainability strategies. So I think that's driving a little bit of as well in that. And that's, you know, I think the sustainability reports now are kind of the the new version of the annual report. (laughs) It used to be. Um, And it seems to have supplanted that and it's... And it's prestige and, and recognition and awareness. Yeah, it's like there. The, it's a, you know the the younger generations, the millennials and such, like you know being woke and, and you know oh I support. <laughs> but you were talking about the shoes, you know I support this company because they do good or they you know I, if I'm wearing um, what is it like Allbirds or something like that, you know people can look at that and say well he well he cares right so that that says something about you as a consumer, and so I think that's a you know when we've touched on it that's a way to rise yeah, above. Yeah, I mean you know I know. My my family in particular, you know, makes decisions on purchasing based on, you know, their environmental alignment, philanthropic alignment, um, their sustainability alignment, and both from purchase standpoint and from purchasing stocks or buying stocks too, you know. Um, so we're looking at it, you know, we're, from a capital investment, we're looking at it from, you know, a lifestyle investment on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, We've talked about, you know, um, uh, experience, brand experience being important to rise above commoditization. Um, what about that experience? It, you know, does it does it need to be the best number one top tier experience? Because it seems as though there's only one place at the top, for, you know, for for any industry, right? You, there can only be one best experience. Um, so is it is it just 
give the best experience possible, or is it consistency? I mean, what, what do we? Well, I'm not sure. Best experience would describe it because I think experience is so individualized. It's, it's so it is the thing that fits best for me. And I think that's, again, knowing who your customer is and who are the people that you want to connect with, what do they need and what is it that we can offer. And so for them, it might be the best experience where for somebody else, you know, we may not fit it. So it's really focusing on and defining what that experience is. Right. I mean, I think you can there's, there's experience with the product. Right? Does it delight me? Does it get me excited? Um, in some cases, you know, toilet paper doesn't get me excited, right? But I need it to be comfortable and I need it to be work to work, right? Um, one of our clients kind of falls along that line. One of their strategies, and you know, three key kind of strategies. Um, one of them is delight the customer, and so we've had a lot of discussion with them about well, to what expense. And then I think companies have to also align their their brand vision their expectation of differentiation and, you know, lack, you know, trying to separate com- from commoditization with what they can actually afford to spend to create an experience that makes sense. Um, and so if I'm selling construction trailers, you know, I don't want those to be as posh and as awesome as the nicest house you could live in. But I do want them to work and function. So delighting the customer is different to, to Leslie's point there's the overall delighting the customer or meeting the customer's needs at a high level in the industry you're in. And then there's the personal expectation, which is, I think, how you separate yourself from a commodity product or a commoditizing brand where you, you actually deliver what they expect at a slightly higher level that separates you. you know, it doesn't have to be a thousand times better. One time, you know, two times better is okay. Right. Certain clients are going to have different expectations along the life cycle of the engagement with the buyer, you know, and, and so they're going to say, okay, well, we have a client, for example, who's very, whose buyers are very focused on their pre-planning stages, not so much their delivery stages. Delivery stages to them and is kind of equal across the board. Um, other clients, uh, you know, that we've seen, it might be in like the return policies. You know, we we had a client who had an industry that was notorious for bait and switch, what they would ship out. And so the experience that we could differentiate was on the fact that, number one, you would never get the wrong product. It would always work. And number two, if you ever did, we made that exchange or the return policy amazing. You know, we would pay for their technician to go out and replace it. You know, whereas the other competitors wouldn't. So you start to look at where you can differentiate along the value chain, you know, before engagement, during engagement, after engagement, you know, to build re-engagement. And you can start to figure out where you can differentiate and position so that you don't feel commoditized. But it takes a conscious effort to really look at those customer journeys to understand, to Leslie's point, what the, what's relevant for that buyer and that buyer segmentations that you're engaging with. You know, executive management might care more about the, you know, purchasing processes and the billing processes and the financial processes, whereas the operations people may care more about, you know, the tactical operational engagement, you know, how you're delivering reporting, you know, how easy is it to, to be responsive in the field when issues come up, whatever it might be. So you've got to look across the food chain. Yeah. So I, 
I think this is all really great stuff. And, and so to end the episode, I'm actually going to put you guys on the spot a little bit. Um, if you guys could, could impart one tip or one area of the business or one, one thing that uh, brands out there that might be listening um, could benefit from, there's one thing you could do um, to, to avoid you know, commoditizing your brand and becoming a commodity. What would, you, what would you prioritize? What would you put first? I would think, you know, making sure you really understand the position you want to own, you want to own and how it's differentiated from your competitor, number one. As part of that process, you really need to look at that value chain and as a model and where you can differentiate along that model. So for me, I think when you don't take that time to understand that differentiation in the marketplace where everybody already is established and you don't make a conscious effort to really single out the place you want to be, and you don't understand that relevancy along that track, I think that's where companies make the biggest mistake. Okay. Bo, do you have any uh, one tip? I mean, it can be as broad or as narrow <laughs> as you as you you know you see yeah. fit. I think uh, being true to what you believe. Yeah. Um, so if you find some key differentiators that that make you different, but you know some of them may not be something you really stand you want to stand behind or stand for. Um, how do you how how do you stay true to what you believe your brand promises to them? How do you keep that consistent um, and make sure it's authentic? Um, and so understanding you know, where in the process you can differentiate, understanding what's important to the way you deliver your product and what you want people to think about you um, would be kind of one of the key things that, that would be important to make sure you don't commoditize. Excellent. And I think... Um, Along that line, it's really understanding, and I think a lot of companies don't take the time to really understand what is my value proposition, what is it I bring and truly can offer, and it's not—it's more than just competitors. You're benchmarking against yourself at that point, and it could be something that they don't even know they need yet. You know that, but so it's always looking at that. You know, even with a, a more of a creative lens. But being uh, very articulate and very purposeful about understanding that and then building, you know, your marketing efforts and your business and your strategy and all around that. So that kind of dovetails a little bit with what Bo was saying. Great. All right, guys. Well, I think that about does it for, uh, for this episode. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, we'll see you next time. That's it for this episode of Solving for B. We hope you found it insightful. If you did, we invite you to visit brandextract.com for more content from our experts about a variety of branding topics. Thanks again for tuning in to Solving for B with Brand Extract.